0: Welcome to The Real Life Show, Living with a Chronic Illness. We are your hosts, Cassie and Chelsea. I'm Cassie, a single mom living with a chronic illness who is extremely passionate about living a full and happy life. And I'm Chelsea.
1: I have a passion for helping people to put themselves first and to be the best version of themselves each and
0: every day. We came together to create the Spoonie Hub, an uplifting community that offers resources, guidance, support, and offers you the space to be yourself, be heard, and feel understood. We hope that by providing tips and tricks from experts, we help people with chronic conditions to thrive and live the lives they've dreamed of.
1: This show is not only for those who live with a chronic illness or disability, but their friends, family, spouses, and just anyone else existing on the earth. Our goal is to normalize having a chronic condition by sharing real stories with real people and to show the world how relatable
0: those everyday struggles can be. There's a little something in here for everyone. And a special shout out to our community at the Spoonie Hub. Thanks to your contributions, we are able to provide flexible work opportunities for Spoonies, donate to our nonprofit to help provide wellness treatments for those who need it, and be able to transcribe our podcast to make it more accessible for all. To learn more, visit our show notes. Enjoy the show.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of The Real Life Show, Living with a Chronic Illness. Today, Cassie and I are having a little chat about a topic that I think this has been on our list to talk about for months, actually. You know, it's been on our list since we first started the podcast.
0: Yeah, when we were coming up with episode topics, this was on the list and we just haven't done it yet.
1: Nope. But today we are talking about food fears and just our relationship with food and what diets are out there and... I, I just, I feel the need to start off this episode by saying that neither one of us are trained nutrition professionals. Mm-hmm. So we're going to be talking a lot from our own personal experience and like the general nutrition knowledge that we have. Um, yes.
0: We'd also like to do the disclaimer of there could be trigger warnings for those who may have food disorder, eating disorders. Um, we are going to be talking a little bit about some of that in relation to chronic illness. Mm-hmm. Um, but disclaimer, um, with eating disorders, this episode could be a trigger warning one way or the other for you.
1: Yep. So first off, Cassie, can you start telling all of our lovely listeners about some of the diets that are out there and some of the diets that you've been on in order to yeah. help you feel better?
0: Yeah. So, um, Going into today's episode, we are both really excited to talk about this and we're pretty shocked that we hadn't already recorded this episode, but everything happens for a reason and now is the time to do it. Um, So if you are just tuning in, I have Crohn's disease, which is an autoimmune disorder of the gut. So most of my disease is small intestine and large intestine. Um, And so, yeah, it's IBD, irritable bowel disease. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I gotcha. Irritable bowel disease. <laughs> Y'all, okay. you, can't, you can't do
1: the video, but like Cassie's face just went completely blank. And I was like, oh no, I got you. It's okay. <laughs> Dude, it was gone. That word was completely was gone. gone. <laughs> that's so funny. But that's okay. okay. So there's two of us because the same you. thing okay. happens to me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so irritable bowel disease. That's so funny. Um, Okay. So so anyway, so food is obviously a big part of that because my gut is where my disease mostly is.
1: Which now and you had a doctor tell you that it had nothing to do with what you ate, that's right? That's what I was going to
0: say. Yeah. So this is what the interesting See, thing I is. You can read your mind. Just, you can. You can. I just read your mind. <laughs> when I got diagnosed with Crohn's disease, um, my doctor, the GIPA was like, Um, I'm also a registered dietitian and diet has nothing to do with Crohn's disease.
1: Was she actually a registered dietitian? I don't know. I didn't see her credentials. Because, okay, small, tiny, tiny tangent, because I find this very, very important. I'm very, very passionate about this. There is a huge difference between a registered dietitian and a nutritionist and zero shade to nutritionists out there. There are some absolutely incredible ones. Shout out to Danny Hamilton, who's been Love on the podcast her. and is a nutritionist. She knows her shit, y'all, and a lot of nutritionists do. But the level of, of education and work that you have to put in to do to be a registered dietitian compared to a nutritionist can be vastly different. Mm-hmm. So, like registered dietitians have like passed basically like doctor level is exams. It Britain, Britain,
0: Green, a registered dietitian from our episode? Oh, I should know the answer to that question. I think she is. I'm pretty sure she is. Um, but yeah, so I don't know if she actually was for my, my knowledge is a
1: registered dietitian is the only person qualified to tell you exactly what to eat when, and in what amounts. So like nutritionists are perfectly qualified to be like, hey, y'all, you need to eat less sugar. These are foods that have sugar in them. Don't eat those foods. They can say that. But the way that food, medications interact with your body, with interacts with each other within your body is can be really complicated. So that's why you can't tell people what to eat and what certain amounts, what certain combinations, unless you are a registered dietitian.
0: And Brittany Roman Green is a registered dietitian. She was on our episode, All the Things Nutrition. And if you want to reach out to her, by the way, her Instagram handle is at Brittany, B-R-I-T-T-A-N-Y-B mm-hmm. underscore V R D. And we'll put that in the show notes because she is someone who could tell you what to eat and what, and et cetera.
1: Yes. So, so again,
0: nutritionists are still awesome. Yeah. wonderful. Like, we love to make
1: sure that they know their shit before you work with them. Okay.
0: Totes. Done with that tangent. So I don't know if she actually was an RD because she was also a biz notch, but anyways. Um, so then I was also handed these like pamphlets for Crohn's and colitis recommended diets. And it was like, eat soft white bread, like donuts. And I was just like, what the fuck, you know, um, that's not nutritious. How is that going to heal my gut? Now, my mentality at that point in time, I had been doing the AIP diet, which is the autoimmune protocol for at the time I was about a year and a half in, I was completely strict with AIP before AIP. I had done the whole 30 twice and I had done the hormone oh my gosh, what was it called? Sarah Gottfried, the hormone balanced diet, I think. Um, I will say that her recipes are really delicious in her book. And I feel as though I did actually experience some benefits on that hormone balancing diet. Um, and I would consider doing that again. Then I did AIP for about a year and a half. Um, I started with the autoimmune diet book by, uh, I just talked about this this morning and I can't even remember her name. Sarah, no, Dr. Myers, Amy Myers, Dr. Amy Myers. Um, And her recipes are also amazing. And her blog has amazing recipes. Now I did the AIP diet for a year and a half, got diagnosed with a doctor saying you should be basically eating donuts. And I was like, you're insane. And then I stuck with the AIP diet for almost a year after that point in time. Um, super strict. And for those of you who are not familiar with the autoimmune protocol, autoimmune protocol super strict is no eggs, grains, sugar, nuts, nightshades, legumes, caffeine. I feel like that's it. So basically you can eat like- What's left? Yeah. Like what is left? Fish, meat- vegetables but not all vegetables and then some of those like you can have coconut stuff and then like you can get around things like cassava chips you know Mm -hmm. or um I made cookies using tiger nut flour at some okay what the fuck
1: is tiger nut flour didn't
0: know a tiger nut Existed until I was doing AIP. Like, what is that? And then I bought whole tiger nuts, which you're supposed to like soak in water to soften to be able to eat.
1: Okay, again, what is a tiger nut? (laughs) I don't know what this
0: is. The tiger nuts is about this big, which I'm making the shape of maybe like a small marble. Yeah. And it looks like the outside of a peanut. And it's almost a little bit sweet, but then they're very dry when you bite into them. But you can buy tiger nut flour. It's like a million dollars for a tiny bag. And so they probably sell it at Whole get, Foods.
1: <laughs> exactly.
0: So you have to get really creative with some very odd ingredients. You know, you could, I like, I, yeah, I made like, I made like tiger nut cookies with cacao nib. I don't even know. And I made, I made it work. Um, and I was committed. I would never contaminate with sauces cooking I never tried even a bite of other people's stuff like I was like, I'm going to heal myself with the autoimmune protocol diet because so many people have had good experiences with the with autoimmune disorders. Now. A lot of you are probably familiar with everything saying, like, start with the gut, heal the gut, heal the gut, and everything else will follow. So if you have Hashimoto's or grave disease or fibromyalgia or endometriosis or Lyme or all the things, rheumatoid arthritis, psoriasis, if you have all the things, heal with, start with the gut, heal the gut, and everything will be better. And I started being like, and to me, that made sense. I had done all the research. I had read about it. Then I was like, okay, but what if your disease is a gut disease? How can you even like heal it? And I kept feeling like I was failing at the AIP or something because my gut wasn't healing. And anyway, I ended up with a small bowel obstruction. I was hospitalized for five. While you were on the AIP diet? While I was on the AIP. So That's at shitty. That, super shitty. No huh. pun intended. <laughs> um, so at that point in time. The doctor, the colorectal surgeon at that time at the hospital in Missoula, basically was like, you have an obstruction because you're eating too many vegetables and have too much fiber and your body can't digest it. So you've done this to yourself because of the amount of like salad and everything that you eat. And I was But like, that's all you can eat. For the AIP. Right. So I that's was all like, you can eat you're nuts. You know, I was like, no, that's that can't be. And he basically was like, you need to go on a low fiber diet, you should be eating things like white breads that are easily digestible. And I was like, these doctors are idiots. I need nutrients. So my body can heal. I need vegetables, I need whole foods, I need no processed food, so that I'm giving my body the ingredients to heal. And I truly fully believed, believed in that. And I felt like, no, something is wrong. It can't be My diet that caused this. Now, there's two ways to look at this. And I don't know which, I I go back and forth between the two ways. Number one is did I get the small bowel obstruction just like the doctor said, because of the amount of vegetables and fiber I was consuming? And, um, you know, I made myself more sick essentially with Crohn's because of that. Or would I have had a small bowel obstruction and been sicker sooner? if I wasn't doing the AIP diet and feeding my body, the nutrients that I thought it needed at the time. Right. So it's really like, you could look at it both ways. Did it's I stay healthier longer? Which one it is exactly. So, um, yeah, we want to preface with that. Now, after that, um, I was put on a low fiber diet, which I was then on for about a year and a half after I was on a pretty tight leash. Um, I almost, This particular surgeon actually wanted to do a bowel resection and take out half of my colon. And I decided to wait and get a second opinion. And I came to Wichita, Kansas that summer to heal, saw a colorectal surgeon here. Coincidentally, the one that just did my rectal surgeries, because this was years ago. And she said, no, let's wait. I went on more steroids. I followed the diet and I did not have to have a bowel resection and I still have my whole colon. So I do recommend everyone to get a second opinion, no matter what. So Anyway, I went on the low fiber diet. I did have a lot of steroids. I ate baby rice cereal and bone broth for a very long time. Then I started having some gluten-free breads and I stayed completely gluten-free, dairy-free, low fiber. I stayed away from nuts um, and stuff like that for about a year. Then I had gluten again, I felt okay. And then ever since then, which is about two years now, I've just been kind of like eating what sort of sounds good and like trying out different foods because I became terrified of food. I was afraid of food when I was on AIP because I'm like, what if that was contaminated? I did not eat with people like out at restaurants and stuff. I would either eat before we went so that I knew I could eat the way I was supposed to, then I just wouldn't be hungry at the restaurant, just get something to drink or whatever. Or I would order, you know, a super basic salad with just like oil on the side or something. And, um, when we would have dinners with family, I would, like I said, I would usually eat before we went so that I didn't have to eat whatever they made. It was hard. It was consuming. It was life consuming. I got afraid that if I went off of the rules, if I went outside the lines of AIP, that I would be really sick, and that I was a failure. Um, So there was a lot of stress involved in that. I will say one of the benefits that came out of it was, I realized the amount of willpower that I actually had, and inner strength to be able to give up all the foods I love, and stay on plan. And I will say that realizing that strength and willpower I had within me has carried me through for years. Cause I'm like, if I can give up chocolate and coffee and croissants, I can fucking do anything. <laughs> so that was a good thing that came out of it. Um, then when I started eating other foods, when I had the baby rice cereal, for example, I felt a huge amount of guilt, like, oh my God, I'm having grains in the hospital for the first time in two years. They won't even let me go home unless I can basically tolerate baby rice cereal. And I felt really guilty that I was eating grains. And then when I was on a low fiber diet, I felt guilty that I wasn't eating any nutritious food. I felt like I was only consuming processed food. And after all the research I had done, I mean, I consumed myself with books, podcasts, documentaries, everything to support my gut health and healing. So then eating all of the foods that all those people said are bad, like white bread, made me feel like a failure and like I was going to ruin my body. Um, that went on for a long time. A lot of guilt, a lot of fear. Then when I started eating uh, a little bit of cheese and um, non-glutinous er, breads, croissants and stuff. Then I was like feeling guilty, like I'd given in and am I inflaming my gut? And then I was afraid. Then everything I was eating was hurting my tummy. I would have um, gut pain, cramping, nausea. I would be going to the bathroom a lot. It was, I was having so many Crohn's symptoms. I was having joint pain, migraines. I was tired beyond belief and I was terrified to eat any food. I was scared to drink water just drinking water would make me want to throw up. So I spent months and months and months afraid to eat and feeling guilty of anything I did eat. And if I was like, you know what though, just some toast sounds good. All I want is some toast and some butter. And then I'm like, oh, but I'm eating grains. I'm eating gluten and I'm eating, I'm eating uh, dairy with the butter. And like, it was awful. And um, I spent a long time in that, in that place where I am currently now today is I had been working on eating some more whole foods um, and getting a little bit more away from the processed stuff to mostly to help my energy levels. I want to see if that's impacting that Um, because then for, for a while before right now, I started eating a lot of processed food because it's more easily digestible. So in the long run, it doesn't help your body. You're not getting nutrients. Um, We know that processed food is not the best thing for the body for optimal health, but for a gut disorder, it's easily digestible. You can tolerate it. You don't feel like you're going to throw up or like, you're not going to shit your pants. So I went down a pretty like processed high carb diet for quite some time and was basically like, fuck it. Um, I had no joy of food. I didn't want to cook. I didn't want to eat anything. I basically was like, I would rather just eat bagels all day and know that it's not going to upset my tummy, than risk eating some chicken breast and carrots and then have my tummy hurt. Um, now, again, now I'm in a place where I'm trying to eat more whole foods because I do think that's been missing for me um, looking over the last sort of like year to 18 months um, and I'm watching more what I eat. I don't, I've figured out foods that really don't agree with me, corn and stuff like that. I eat minimal amounts of cheese. Um, but I just started working with a doctor that I've worked with before when I lived in Missoula, we're working together remotely and she wants me to go grain free and sugar free again. Cause she explained that there is just so much research going into all autoimmune disorders, Having chronic inflammation when you consume grains. And the research she was throwing out at me was like, okay, I need to give this another try and listen to her. And it may not be forever, but I have been really sick for pretty much all of 2020 and I need to do something. I've got to make a change. So now I will be looking into going grain free. Um, I've been starting to get my way there the last week or two. And um, I've been trying to incorporate more variety into my diet, which has really helped with some of the food fear, because when you're so restricted, you end up eating the same thing over and over and over again. And the more that Chelsea and I have been talking with people on the podcast and recent research uh, that's been coming out, variety, it's actually one of the best things for healing the gut and gut disorders, and for overall optimal health. So I am now going to hopefully like no grain or minimal or gluten-free and large variety diet. So I actually didn't intend to get into so much of a background of me. Oh yeah, I've done the low FODMAP. And I think what else I've done? The only one I haven't tried is the specific carbohydrate diet. And I was going to try it. And then I was like, oh, this is I'm I'm naturally eating almost like that anyway. I'm pretty much about to be doing that now. So I may look into doing that. But um, I've been there. I've tried all the things. And what I would want to say is it's so individual. And like Chelsea's going to talk about further as well, a lot of those diets are not intended to be forever or years long. It is intended to be for a short-term amount of time. And I think that's one of the big misconceptions out there. So with this episode, um, you're going to have to really find what's right for you. That is like the biggest thing. This, what works for one person is not going to work for someone else. And secondly, it's hugely to let people know that like, we have experienced that food fear and food guilt too. This is a real deal. I've had anxiety. There's been depression around it. I was on the verge of an eating disorder with it and um, it needs to be talked about.
1: Yep. Yep. So as Cassie mentioned, a lot of these um, diets are not meant to be like for years and years and years or years or lifetimes. Um, and we might do an episode about this more in depth, but I recently went to a functional health specialist doctor um, cause I've been having to sign up some energy things. I've had some, some hormonal acne and basically I'm like, I want to make sure my hormones are okay. And there's not something else going on. And so on top of having like some of my hormones checked and insulin resistance checked and my thyroid checked, um, I was also recommended to pick either dairy gluten or sugar and cut one of those out for 30 to 60 days. And the purpose of the 30 to 60 days is it gets it out of your system and allows your body to process it, allows it to fully detox because you don't need to go on a detox. Your body does a really good job detoxing on its own. Yay, your liver, unless you have liver issues, and that's a different story. (laughs) But your body can do that on its own. But if you're constantly putting that stuff back into your body, it just doesn't get to clear out. So the way it was explained to me was you take a break from eating those high inflammatory foods or those trigger foods for your body for a period of time to allow it to clear out and then allow your gut to heal from any of the inflammation that that food was causing. And then after that, unless you were like intolerant to it, you can add it back into your diet. Maybe not the amount you were eating before, but like, if I choose to cut out dairy, which will be a challenge because I really love cheese doesn't mean I'm never going to eat cheese again. It's just for a month or two, I'm not going to eat it. And then afterwards I'll be able to eat it again. And so um, yeah, truly, unless you are allergic to something (laughs) or it truly makes you feel like garbage, it's
0: okay to eat it.
1: Like, yes, there's,
0: there's like lower lactose and higher mm -hmm. lactose cheeses, for example, Yep. that it's like, you might be able to tolerate sharp cheddar and feta because it's lower lactose mm-hmm. than some of the other cheeses and that's that's important too like you were saying it might not be the whole food group of like all dairy, all yeah. cheese. It might be that you can't tolerate certain ones. Yeah.
1: And it could be like certain amounts. Like I'm sitting here trying to decide currently which of the three I'm going to cut out because I could cut out all three at once. But also what the fuck am I going to eat then? <laughs> it makes it very limited. And that makes it harder to actually adhere to it, harder to go out with friends, harder to spend time with family. Not that we're doing that a lot and right the, now. the stress of it. Yeah, the, the stress. The stress of it is awful. And I'm a big believer. And if something that you're trying to do to take better care of yourself is causing you massive amounts of stress, that release of cortisol in your body, cortisol is the stress hormone that gets released for anyone that doesn't know what cortisol is. And high amounts of cortisol in your body is not good. I was also told by this doctor that I have high level of cortisol. Well, she suspects I already have high levels of cortisol circulating in my system at all times. So me picking a diet or a way of eating, I have to think of it more of a way of eating versus a diet. Diet can be kind of a triggering word for me. Um, But if I pick a way that's just going to be really hard for me, it's going to cause me more stress which is not the point of what, of, of eliminating something. It's meant to decrease inflammation, allow myself to heal. So then I'm healthier in the end. So that's kind of one thing maybe to think about is how long are you going on a diet? And if you're cutting out certain foods, why are you cutting out those foods? Is it because a physician told you to try something and you're just trying it for how long or a certain amount of time to see if it works? How long are you supposed to try it for? Um, and just, I mean, again, listen to your body. One example that I use a lot, um, when thinking about like what foods should or shouldn't you eat, is I like Chick fil A spicy chicken sandwiches and their waffle fries with a Dr. Pepper. They're it's very, it's a very delicious combination that I may have eaten more than I probably should have when I was in grad school, <laughs> that's okay. It was on campus. It was easily accessible. It was delicious. It was food. Mm-hmm. Um, but whenever I ate Chick-fil-A, A, ate that, um, high fat, like fried foods don't always sit well with me. I also like chimichangas. Sometimes it's a challenge because I'll eat it. And then about 30 minutes to an hour later, my stomach goes, <laughs> nope. Mm-hmm. And I'm in the bathroom for the next 30 minutes to an hour. And I'm fortunate that it tends to get out of my system and then it's done. But still, I still have to deal with that. And so a lot of times I ask myself, do I really want Chick-fil-A? Like is eating it, is tasting it worth feeling the potential of feeling that way? Because sometimes I can eat it and I feel fine. Most of the time, nine times out of 10, I'm like, no, I don't, I really don't want to feel like I'm gonna shit my pants. So okay. I'm gonna go eat something else. <laughs> That's another way that I approach food is how is this gonna make me feel? I also at the beginning of this year to kind of try to see if it would make a difference in some of the hormonal acne and energy that I was feeling, I was like, well, I'm gonna just experiment with this low carb diet type of an idea. And I like cauliflower rice, I like zucchini noodles, like I like all those things. So I was like, oh, it's probably it's not gonna be that hard for me. And I did it sort of strictly for two weeks. Like I still allowed myself on like one of the days to go get a chai tea from one of my favorite coffee shops, which has a metric shit ton of sugar in it. But I was like, it's okay. It's like the one really sugary thing I've had. It'll be okay. And I did feel a little bit better energy-wise And then towards the end of the second week, I was getting really tired of cauliflower rice because I was eating it for like every single meal Mm. and it was boring. And even though I love it, every single meal can get dull. And then we made a chicken pesto for dinner, which we normally put with like pasta. We put pasta, a lot of vegetables and pesto and some chicken. Really, really good. And my fiance just, he forgot to not put like the pesto and the vegetables in with the pasta like we normally do because he was going to have it with pasta and I was going to have it with zucchini noodles. So I get home from work and I'm hungry. And I'm like looking at it. And I'm like, well, do I eat something else or do I just eat the pasta? Mm-hmm. I decided to just eat the pasta because I was hungry. I'd worked out a lot. And honestly, my body probably needed the carbs. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and I chose to not feel guilty about that. Because it just to me it wasn't worth the stress of feeling guilty.
0: Did you feel bad, like tummy ache after you ate it? Nope. Yeah, I did. I mean, that's one of the things that um, my physical therapist and I were talking about today. She has Hashimoto's, and um, we were talking about how one of the difficult things about being like grain free or dairy free, like you're like you're talking about too, Chelsea, is especially if you don't have an allergy, like you know, Chelsea or I could be grain free or gluten free for a while and then consume gluten or grains. And if we're not celiac, we're not going to have that instant response of like tummy hurt. Mm-hmm. But the theory is that those are, they can be inflammatory foods. So overall, so for example, I was telling my doctor, cause I'm like, do I have to go totally grain free? Can I not just do gluten free? Because I really like having some rice or some toast to settle my stomach when I'm feeling really nauseous. And she was like, well, you shouldn't be feeling nauseous. She's like, I think it's the overall inflammation making you feel nauseous. Then you're using that, the toast or the rice to treat the nausea, but they're overall causing the inflammation. Did she give you
1: like an alternative thing that you could eat when you did feel nauseous?
0: Um, she talked about like cassava chips, for example, instead, like there's those kinds of alternatives, um she talked about having like more fat in healthy fat in my diet, like a handful of olives. Yeah. Avocado. Avocados. And see now, and here's the interesting thing too, is I have even had too low cholesterol where doctors have been like, you need to eat all the healthy fat. And I've really never been one to not eat much healthy fat, but I have to be really careful because if I consume too much healthy fat, my gut can't quite digest it. So like an avocado, I can really only have avocado like maybe once a week. Otherwise I get a tummy ache. So this is again, where it kind of goes into, you're going to have to try things. And one of Mm -hmm. the good things about doing an elimination diet, which is what Chelsea was recommended to do is it's like, okay, let's see if this helps. So maybe let's say Chelsea decides to be grain-free, gluten-free and everything in February, gluten-free Yeah, gluten-free in February. And then you don't really notice anything, but like mid March. So you're like, okay, so you start having gluten again, but then you're like, well, maybe I should try the sugar free. Then you get rid of sugar and then your acne starts clearing up. Then it's like, okay. So the elimination diets are designed where you are supposed to take stuff out. Then you do incorporate things back in. Mm -hmm. Additionally, it's supposed to be where if you are consuming a certain food a lot, like if there is a lot of. Gluten and dairy and sugar in your diet, it might just be too much for the system. So take it all out, and then your system can tolerate the small amounts being added back in. Mm -hmm. And that really goes into, again, the variety. Like there's so many restrictive diets, especially when you have a chronic illness out there that. More recent research, and like I said, the more professionals we're talking to over podcasts, it's like variety is your best friend, eating different foods, and not too much of the same food in a week or a month, but trying different things, everything in moderation. And I really liked, Chelsea, that you said diet can sometimes be a triggering word, so way of eating, like, that's, that's really nice. Because, um, yeah, sometimes someone will be be like, how's your diet and exercise? And I'm like, well, right now, shit, you know, I don't know what to tell you. I can't exercise and I'm not eating well. And so, but saying like way of eating just feels more like a lifestyle and feels more like an everyday thing rather than hearing diet constantly in our minds.
1: Well, and I think when people are like, well, it's not a diet, it's a lifestyle. Like, I don't know what the, like, meaning behind that phrases, but it also kind of makes me want to throw up a little bit. Um, and Cassie and I are going to do an entirely different episode because we don't have time in this one for Chelsea to go off on the tangent of anti-diet culture that she has welled up inside of her for all of you to hear. Um, but basically for me, like diet has been a word that means something very, very, negative. Um, it's very, it's meaning that you're depriving yourself, you're starving yourself that like there's forbidden foods. And again, unless you're allergic to something, there should be no forbidden foods. Like if you want a cookie, eat the fucking cookie, unless you're allergic to something in the cookie, then for God's sake, don't eat it.
0: Yeah. But see, that's a fucking great point too, because, um, my PT was telling me that she was in an autoimmune support group And one of the gals there was doing AIP and ate an AIP cookie and turned out that she was allergic to the collagen protein used in the AIP-friendly cookie. So that's, again, where it goes into, like, it's not just because it says AIP, just because it says paleo, just because it says keto-friendly, does not mean that that's the right food for you. And. Food sensitivity stuff is another thing, like Chelsea said, if you know you're allergic, like don't eat it. Food sensitivity- Or if, just,
1: if high amounts of it make you feel like shit, don't eat it. Yeah. Or um, stop before you get to the point where you feel like shit. Like I love me some tortilla chips. <laughs> I do not buy tortilla chips because I don't trust myself. And it's not because it goes against my quote-unquote diet or that it's a bad food. It's just that I – Really, really like tortilla chips, and I will eat an entire bag without even thinking. And I've done the tricks where it's like just put some in a bowl and put the bag away. No, I will get back up and refill <laughs> the bowl ten times. Doesn't work. I just there are a food that I'm just like I want more. I want you more. You like All my these are So in-law. good. He likes the hint of lime tortilla chips. Oh, get, stop telling me about tortilla <laughs> chips. I'm I'm gonna get a craving. I want that.
0: I already am craving it. I'm <laughs> hungry. I haven't eaten yet
1: today. <laughs> and. But then the next day I feel really bloated and I just like my hands are bloated and I'm retaining a bunch of water and I just don't feel great. And so I've learned, okay, I cannot be trusted around the tortilla chips. And again, someone's probably listening to this. For, being your, like, own Kelsey, you, you For have
0: your own sake. have your
1: sake. Yeah. It's just, it's just like, and yes, there might be some emotional eating thing going on. I'll deal with it later. <laughs> yeah. But. It's just something like, I know that if I eat that, I don't feel good afterwards. And so I don't tend to buy it. I don't tend to eat it. Mm -hmm. Not because it's a bad food or it's something I can never eat. It's just, I've decided a long time ago that I like to make myself feel good. And sometimes that includes stress eating a bunch of shit that you shouldn't eat quote unquote, but shouldn't eat. I,
0: I'm glad that you mentioned that because it's like, yeah, if you eat a whole bag of tortilla chips, especially like, you know, there is a lot of salt in that. So you are going to be feeling puffy the next day. And that's, again, one of those moments of like, you may not have a response right away, like were you to be celiac or have a yeah. nut allergy, you know, for example, that you may not notice a reaction instantly, it might be more like when you wake up the next day. and. Um, Yeah. And then for food sensitivities too, just because I feel like this goes well with this episode. um, I definitely believe in food sensitivity stuff. It's obviously scientifically proven. So me saying I believe in it is more of like, I, I do recommend that, especially because if you are trying out a restrictive diet, like an elimination diet, and it's like take out grains, and then you're eating all of the cl- cauliflower rice or all the cauliflower pizza crusts or something, if you have a cauliflower food sensitivity, you are not going to feel any benefit you're still from fucked. taking <laughs> the grains out. And that's what happened to me. I did, I did Viome testing, which is V-I-O-M-E. And you send in a small stool sample and they run food sensitivity. It's a really broad spectrum too of the food sensitivity testing. And I had cauliflower come back on that. And I was like, well, shit, I had been eating a ton of cauliflower to avoid the grains. And no wonder I felt like shit all the time. Mm -hmm. So and then it even it even had stuff like I needed I needed to avoid nut butters, but I was okay with nut milks. And I do do really well with like almond milk. Um, But I don't I really don't tolerate much nut butter unless I have it just like once or twice a week. So definitely recommend food sensitivity testing to go along with if you're doing an elimination diet because um, otherwise putting yourself through that might be completely pointless if you're eating the wrong stuff, which is scientifically the wrong stuff, quote, wrong stuff for you. And the second thing to that, going back to like variety is um, one of my clients who's super, Healthy. Oh, Kayleen. She was in season one. Mm -hmm. She's the one who recommended Viome to me. She had a bunch of food sensitivity stuff come back, so she eliminated all that stuff out of her diet and followed the recommended diet for several months. Did the Viome testing again, and then a lot of the food she was eating then had flagged up as sensitive, and a lot of the food she had eliminated was now like consume more of this
1: because you were eating the same things over and over and over again. And her
0: gut microbiome had changed and shifted. Mm -hmm. So again, that's another um, good point for uh, another win for variety is like the body does change. And so it might be, yeah, maybe you can't have peanut butter toast every day, but you can have it one to two days a week. Um, And yeah, so there is, gosh, we really could go on for hours about this. We definitely will be doing a part two that's going to talk a lot about diet culture because chelsea has some really fantastic information about that that and needs some very, to be shared strong opinions and strong opinions which i also share many if you of. are
1: pro diet listening to this next whenever we do that you just skip it you'll get mad at me but it's fine well
0: and we'll just leave you <laughs> off with this little tidbit to get you excited for the next episode part 2 because chelsea posted a super interesting article about how the 1200 calorie a day is a complete myth and especially for women and I read that whole article and was like, "Holy effing balls!" You know, this is fascinating. And so, the typical twelve hundred day calorie and like BMI and how BMI was invented. Oh, I so hate BMI. Do, yeah, we will do an episode on that. Stay tuned; it will come I'm out getting, real like, soon.
1: Just, just thinking about it, it's making me like very. Yeah, upset. if you're watching, <laughs> Chelsea looks
0: like her cortisol level has really heightened. It right did.
1: Now. <laughs> I have some very strong opinions about BMI. And counting calories, please just, if you're going to take one thing away from this episode, fuel your body with foods that make you feel good. Mm -hmm. And I'm a big believer that you are the only person that can decide what feels good for you because you are the only human being who knows how you actually feel. I wish it was a superpower that I had that I could look at someone and be like, oh, you feel like this, or this hurts you here. But to my knowledge, no one can do that. If you can, I'd love to talk to you.
0: Yeah. I <laughs> um, they call that telepathy and stuff.
1: Yeah. I just, it would just be a nice handy thing. You know if my clients are.
0: Ooh, and maybe like if you hear things. this episode and you have questions about the diet culture yeah. um, that you would like us to answer, you should shoot us a DM on Instagrams. Yeah. At the Real Spoonies Unite, or you could email us hello at the Real Spoonies Unite with a question and we would love to address it mm-hmm. in the episode. Um, because we'll we'll probably give it a week or so from this one coming out and we'll do yeah. we'll do that too. And, and if um, there's
1: anything from this episode that like you have still have questions on, um, we can always go circle back and answer some of those as well. So maybe yeah. if you I wanted to share some fun. experience that you had when it came to a diet or how you look at food, your relationship with food, like let us know. Um, We'd love to to chat more about this because it is a topic that we feel like is really, really important. And you all love our nutrition episodes. Yeah, that's <laughs> like, true. Everyone that we bring on a nutritionist or an RD, like they're the, they're the most listened to podcasts of them all. Yeah. So if you have spe- like specific nutrition topics that you either want us to talk about or you Don't want us be to shy. find a guest for, like, let us know. We yeah. we really, if there's like something that you all want, we will go find it. Yeah, we we'll find, find the information. it. Don't be shy.
0: Request that shit.
1: Yes. Well, I hope you all have a wonderful rest of your day and you fuel your body with foods that make you mm-hmm. feel good. We'll see you next time. Bye. For my raging
0: rant. Yes. Chelsea will have to calm herself first. <laughs> yeah. for listening. If you love this podcast and want to show your support, please leave a review, share the podcast with others, or join us in the Spoonie Hub.
1: If you'd like to connect with Cassie and I, you can find us on Instagram at The Real Spoonies Unite or on our website, mywellnesshub.co, where you can find all sorts of resources and you can find the Spoonie Hub. Talk to you soon.